Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza! Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 The Yakuza Kick Radio! This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio, Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us! Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah! Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night, this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, bearded dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, probably watching porn. You have this muted. You should be listening to it, Jason Man. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you got me. Now look at that guy. You only fuck that. Black dude. This bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Well, uh, I'm here in the freezing cold getting free chicken sandwiches. Because the food tastes great. I mean, there's no, there's no, I mean... It's chicken. It's fried chicken. It's fried chicken. I like fried chicken. Oh, shit! Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, J-Cab Morris. Um, back at a decent clip, right? Almost made like a week. So, um, proud of that because, you know, my inconsistency on here has been um, problematic for those who enjoy listening to me, for those who don't. It's been a pleasure, but um, we don't like pleasing those people, so I'm back, and um, you know, let's hang out, let's talk about some bullshit, I got some random topics here, and um, we'll kind of, you know, go over things as uh, as the show goes, I'm not really sure where to start, where to go, I always kind of just start with what's going on with me, a um, lot, um, lot of content. If you've been following what I've been doing, I'm really trying to, um, you know, as I said, I said on the last podcast that I'm trying to make this like my job, 
and I've 100% done that, um, not in a way where I'm compensated, just in a way where I have um, stuck to it. And um, so five days a week, Monday to Friday, for anyone who doesn't uh, remember or hasn't heard of what I was up to or what I'm up to, is um, Monday is uh, motivation slash fitness motivation type stuff, um, fitness-based stuff. Uh, mental motivation, that kind of thing. Tuesday, all cat stuff, cat stories of cats that I have uh, adopted over the years, um, the trials and tribulations that they've had to go through to even get to the point of adoption, um, <clears throat> tips for owning cats, fostering cats, um, working with cats, all, all things like that. So all things cats on Tuesdays. Wednesday is kind of like... Um, the yard, the backyard stuff, um, gardening, things like that. Um, I may have to shift on that as I get into the colder months because I don't spend a whole lot of time out in my fucking yard in the cold months, I can tell you, um, straight up. But we'll figure that out when I get to that point. Um, <clears throat> but so far, so good. Uh, Thursday is uh, chickens, ducks, pigeons, all of my stuff out there. And Friday is like a miscellaneous day because I have some things that I don't want to de dedicate like a, an every single week thing to. But I can kind of flex that and I could do, you know, I did my fish tanks, aquariums um, this past week. And this coming week, I'm going to do my puppet stuff, which... I will be talking a little bit more about later, too, um, on a different topic. It's weird how everything ties together when you're genuine. Um, <clears throat> but so that's just, you know, I'm just trying to put everything that I do out there. Um, Saturday and Sunday, you know, I do record some content when, when I see, the, you know, the opportunity to do something that could help to set up for my week. Um, I do some stuff like that, but I try to take it somewhat of as, as days off. Um, because when I wake up in the morning, I just have to like, okay, how am I going to do this? Where am I going to do I have to set up the area to do this, or I have to do this, and, you know, it's just um, stuff that I wasn't used to. It's a, it's a schedule change, and so many of these things that I put on video, I do every day. Like, you know, I take care of all the animals and the gardens and the, you know, all of these things and, and the fitness stuff. I do all this stuff every day, but on the specified days that I record that thing, I have to capture that on that day while also still doing the other things. So, you know, it's a little challenging. It's just um, a lot to get used to. But again, like, um, I'm dedicating to it. I feel very good about what I've done so far. Um, I hope people are out there enjoying it and stuff. I'm just trying to just keep my head down and just keep putting it out there and hoping at some point, you know, um, something pops up for me something something catches whether it be like some amazing um job opportunity whether it be um you know uh, going viral and and becoming one of those influencers where i can spread you know my word as far as cats and that first and foremost and anywhere people would need help within the the realms of things that i know how to do i i'm glad to help and if that can transfer into a career, into a future, then so be it. Um, but as I said before, you know, right now I'm just putting my head down and just trying to put out content, 
with really no expectations and, um, you know, hoping for a great response, but doing my best to not make that my priority. And um, knowing that, you know, so much of this stuff, when you recover from cancer and you lose a 21-year career that you're so passionate about, it puts you in a really dark place. It puts you in a bad spot. Um, I don't wish it on anybody. Like, the stuff that I've gone through mentally, it's scary. And, um, you know, you just have to find a way. So a lot of this, like, even though obviously I'm trying to create something out of it, it's also a way of gearing myself to not closing myself off to the world the way that, you know, depression and and these things can definitely do to you. So it's kind of forced me to stay out of my shell instead of pulling back in the way I've done so much over the years. And especially now with, with the cancer and losing what I lost and everything like that. Um, so, you know, it's just me trying to fix myself, you know, um, I've never been a therapy type. I think therapy's great. I think therapy is, um, a lifesaver for so many people out there. So I'm not by any stretch of the imagination saying therapy is a bad thing. Um, I haven't found an avenue where that would work for me. I do a lot of psychoanalyzing myself and going over where things went wrong or what my faults are and really pinpointing um, things that I've done or things that I've said and how, you know, whether they should have gone differently, whether they should, you know, have gone the same way that they went and the way that I handled something should have just went differently. I really do a lot of overthinking and everything. So um, through a lot of struggle, I'm able to fix a lot of my faults. So I'm not saying that I don't need therapy either. I'm just saying that uh, it just hasn't been the route that I've taken. And, um, yeah, my mindset is, is is kind of opposed to it, um, not in a way, like I said, that I um, stand against it or think it's a bad idea. But um, I have some stubborn tendencies in my uh, in my way of life. So that's a little tough to get past. But who knows, maybe in time or maybe I'll just uh, – continue to do what I do. But either way, um, like I said, this is all just um, me trying to get through life, just like everybody else is out there. Um, I appreciate everybody who supported me, everybody who is, um, whether they donated to me, whether they shared my story, whether they reached out to me and talked to me and said, you know, like, hey, what's going on? And, and, we, and we bullshitted about football or wrestling or just dumb shit that we saw on Instagram or you know, whatever it is, because it's just, again, it, we're all just trying to get through this shit. And what I'm trying to get through is pretty heavy. I would say it'd be heavy for anybody. Personally, when I do the math, I take the inventory on myself and, and what I got. When I put it all together, I think that a lot of people wouldn't make it through it. You know, um, maybe they would. Maybe it's maybe it's easier than, than I'm making it out to be. Um, but no matter how many times I put it on, on paper, you know, or in my head and put it all together, I think most people would have a really, really hard time with what I, what I've been handed. So, um, some people will call that my fuck ups in life. And, uh, we'll, we'll talk about people who have that feeling because that's a, that's a wild stance. And, um, 
you know I'm not beyond talking shit, so we'll do some of that. But, so anyway, uh, going through this whole thing with uh, doing the content and everything else, uh, I really do need feedback. I need people to, not just to humor me or anything like that. If you like something, let me know. If you think something doesn't work, let me know. You know, don't do too much of that. Don't spend a lot of your time figuring out what I'm doing wrong because you will discourage me. But, you know, or I, if I could tell that you have bad intentions, I'll just block you. I mean, because I don't, I don't have any reason to continue conversations with people who have no interest in me winning, have no interest in me um, expressing my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't have any, like, I, it doesn't make any sense for me to continue to have conversations with people that I don't get along with. That doesn't, like, why would anyone do that in life? I used to do this shit all the time. Now, like, we bump into each other on somebody else's comments or something like that. We'll have an exchange, and that'll be the last one, man. I ain't coming back tomorrow for some more of this dumb shit. You crazy? Like, people's lives, like, revolve around this. They'll be checking their phone all through all through the day. This motherfucker, let's see what they said next. How are you out of your fight? <laughs> Bro, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I like animals and nature and, and beauty and things like that. Like that's that's really uh, more up my alley. Um, so, hey, man. Um, oh, and I love fucking football. That That's some shit we could, you know what I mean? We could go back at that every, every half, half hour, two hours, what did this new analyst say about the thing that I already heard about? Like, yeah, you, you can you can get different angles of shit like that if you really care about. But the things that, you know, we're talking about and these things, you, you arguments you get into online, that's not something I'm really interested in to that level. Um, let me see. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I got too much more on the personal side of things. It's not like I really do a whole lot. Um I don't remember if, um, I think I went over to Kevin Hart thing. I think so. I went to the Kevin Hart show. Yeah. Yeah, it was over a week ago, so I must have said it on the last podcast. Yeah. Um, Blood and Guts, the, um, AEW, I almost called it TNA, but not because, like, I'm trying to throw shade or I thought about it that way, but I don't know, for some reason. Um... So I watched uh, the Blood and Guts thing. Mainly just wanted to see the main event. Uh, it's the only thing I could really remember. Um, it was good, you know. I think shit like that is really cool because when they put out, like, something that looks like a pay-per-view, it has a name, it has a double cage, double ring fucking main event, you know what I mean? Like, that would always be a pay-per-view for WWE, even TNA, you know what I mean? Like, that shit... They wouldn't just do that for a Wednesday, you know, a Wednesday show. And it's cool because, like, the 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 place that got that, wherever they were, um, you know, they got to see this kind of pay-per-view level show. And, you know, I thought the main event delivered. They brought in a Bushi for it and everything. I thought it was good. I thought there was a lot of good action, a lot of cool spots, you know hard-hitting shit, they got a lot of, you know, they got a lot of really, really talented athletes in there, you know, and, um, 
That's why I like AEW, not because, like, I agree with their booking or I like everybody there or I like the silly shit or I like super kicks or, you know, there's so much of the shit that I really don't like that much. You know what I mean? The Young Bucks have kind of gotten tired to me. In a match like this, though, they're perfect. You know, in a match like the, the you know, multi-man teams, shit like that, they're perfect. If you want a, a four four tag team, you know, four-way tag team match, that, you know, that to me, like, the Young Bucks work really well in because they're just like another dynamic, another type of wrestling that you throw in the mix, and I think they work really well. But like one-on-one, you know, Young Bucks versus whoever, eh, it's, just, it's not going to do as much for me anymore. Um, but I understand, like, where they do fit, for me at least, for, for my entertainment's sake. Um, so I think in these matches they work really well. Um, but it's not that, like, I just think AEW does everything right and I'm glued to their, their programming, because I'm not. I, you know, I I see the Joe Roderick matches with CM Punk on commentary. That's a throwback. That That's a shout-out to Ian Rotten's um, strong-style tournament. You know what I mean? Where they had the same match all those years ago with CM Punk on commentary. Like, stuff like that is going on. Um, They got Claudio in there killing people. They got, you know, Kingston's in there doing his thing, laying Kingston promos on television. You know, there's just so much going on there. And Omega despite that Omega could do that, that goofy light shit, that, that young buck type shit. Not, not even that, like what they put out there or what they do is light because they have a lot of shit to get through. A lot of their, you know, what they do out there is, um, requires precision and accuracy and consistency and all of that shit. So I'm not saying what they do is like, that's not the type of shit I'm trying to do, but I'm just saying like, the Omega that, that goes up against uh, Okada or um, AJ Styles in Japan or um, I think they fought in Japan, right? The Wrestle Kingdom thing. Um, just in case I'm wrong because I, I don't remember specifics like that. But, um, but you know, um, Osprey, like those those matches, you know exactly what Kenny Omega could do. So even having that guy on the roster, even if, he just does silly backstage bullshit most of the time and then pops up for one of those matches every once in a while. It's, you know, it's a great guy to have on the, on the card. They have, you know, crazy lucha shit, you know, so there's tons of talent in that avenue. Um, they got characters. You know, you get some legends where, like, even if you just took them as cameos, be like, oh, how's he doing? Oh, there he goes. You know, like... That's that's just take it for what it is. I mean, if it's the whole show, that's where TNA fucked up. Because TNA didn't just bring Sting in. They made him the fucking main event. And now you're like, so old-ass Sting is the main event? Great. All right. Well, let's see how that goes. And Jeff Hardy shows up drunk or whatever the fuck he was doing that day. You know, it's like they're not like the the be-all, end-all of the show. There's actual you know, these indie talents that are out there doing the shit that they do. So it, it doesn't have to be held together by just names. That's where I think AEW is a lot different. And the thing, you know, is, is 
when it comes down to it, Tony Khan is, I mean, he is one of the most blatant mark promoters I have ever seen. And I mean that, I mean that as I mean that, but I don't mean that as like he's a dickhead for it. He's like a kid in a candy store. He just looks like he is in his fucking glory. Like he just, they really shouldn't be filming that dude because he just looks too happy for everything. Which, I mean, I guess is cool, but it definitely doesn't look like he's the business end of the company. You know what I mean? He just looks, like, too happy to be there all the fucking time. You know? Um, But, you know, I I guess good for him because he gets to play with all these pieces. This, This rich motherfucker, instead of having wrestling toys, he has actual wrestlers, and he gets to do whatever he wants. And, oh, you know what would be cool if we did this shit that they used to do and... Ring of Honor, we'll do that again, and oh shit, we'll we'll go and we'll put this show on in 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 London. We'll do you know like all of this groundbreaking stuff. He's just gonna do just for the sake of doing it, and it's it's working. Um, so I I think it's a good thing. Um, and again, I do a lot of fast forwarding. I do a lot of skimming through. But you know, like if Ishii's on the card beating the shit out of somebody, I mean what. Yeah, I'll skin, I, that shit's on my television. So I don't know. I, I, I enjoy it for those things being an option, and um, you know, pay-per-views coming across that are. I mean, that Forbidden Door was was no no bullshit. So if you're into actually really good wrestling, well done wrestling, then I would think parts of AEW would appeal to you. I mean, if you're doing this WWE versus AEW thing, I don't know. I don't have stock in either one of these motherfuckers. I don't see a check from fucking Vince, from Tony, from fucking whoever the fuck. I, you know, it's just entertainment to me. The WWE thing got tired to me, and, and I just don't want to invest a lot of time in watching this company and watching that company and watching. I really don't follow anything. Um, the closest I am to following anything right now is probably AEW because I could skim it on my TV, on my DVR on a Wednesday. Um, sometimes I'll, I could even just look up the results and see if I want to see any of that. And if I do, or, or the card, you know, previous to the show, and go, do I want to see any of that? And if I do, boom, I, you know, I, t- I could turn it on. Um and, and I just like to keep it simple with that. You know, I just, I don't want to be following five companies. I'm not into it like that anymore. I got shit to do. I got, you know, I just, I don't have that much attention left for wrestling, you know. Especially deathmatch wrestling. Um, so, I guess let's get into this a little bit. Because, you know, there's so much of deathmatch wrestling that, to me, has just become garbage. And I've been saying it for a long time on this show. A long time. The thing is, is, you know, when I started watching this stuff, like, I, I started going in 2001. So you'd get a show, the first show I attended, would start start out with, you know, Super Crazy and, and Tajiri in this little, like, teaser opener match and then you'd get the briscoe brothers you'd get um the sat you'd get trent acid you'd get rick blade and the all these all these 
acts, you know, all of these exciting things amongst the show. And and you'd get a four-way. Uh, I think it was a four-way or what was that? It was a hardcore match. It was for the uh, the Iron Man title, and it ended up having a wife beater throw Lobo off of the top of the soccer stand. It was like an indoor soccer thing, so where they have the um, the ref stand. So it was like he threw him off the top of that while Lobo grabbed the title and fell through tables. I think it had barbed wire. They were on fire. And, uh, you know, that was the match because whoever grabbed the belt had the, had the the win. And then the main event, I think, was Justice Payne and, and Tajiri. And, like, this this is what I was introduced to deathmatch wrestling. When I started seeing that shit go on and, and the, the fire in the building and this and this, and, you know, I'd seen ECW shows and stuff like that. I, I was never an attending ECW fan. So said a bunch on this show. But um, so when I saw that, that was crushing the competition. Sewell, 2001, February. Said that in a really weird order, but is what it is. Um, and that, that's what I was introduced to is I got to see that kind of thing, and it blew my fucking mind. Now, that would continue to build and escalate to tournaments and tournament of deaths and um, king of the death matches. And, you know, further down the road, you would see more and more and more to the point where GCW, when they opened up, um, it was like, you know, they they captured something that, CZW was dropping the ball on for years. DJ Hyde was flat out refusing to book what the fans were begging for, and Brett and Danny just went out and fucking did it. Um, in the long run, you would find out Brett did it. Um, unless you were just like the deathmatch fan, because then that's maybe what Danny had a bigger hand in. Um, you know, in retrospect of, of looking at what was produced. Um, but I, you know, just, just trying to lay the groundwork for what I'm saying, because death matches got so oversaturated and they became worthless. They became completely meaningless. And at this point, I've said time and time again, this death match genre right now is fetish porn, 90% fetish porn. That's all it is. That's all the fuck it is. Because these guys are way too openly happy to be doing it. They're hugging each other. They're crying after the match. They're fucking brother-brothering during the match, before the match. It's it's just like a fun experience where everyone gets to bleed together and be happy. And the fans love it. And they sit there and they watch it too. Like, and it's it's no longer this simulated fight with dangerous objects involved. That's that's what it used to be. I'm not saying like, you know, like uh, I, I need it back. Like when I thought, fucking Hulk Hogan was just like the, the greatest guy on the planet, and like I want to believe again. Like I'm not talking about like that deep level of kayfabe, real to me, all of that bullshit, man. I'm a grown man, so I don't like my intelligence insulted. And once shit is obviously known, I don't need it to be like pretended in front of me. Danny has a bad habit of that just 
unawareness of that type of thing. He just, just doesn't have awareness of things. That's why in the middle of a death match, he literally held the light tube up before like the death match shit started and went ultra violence, yes or no, to the fans. Like that's one of the one of the corniest fucking things I have ever seen in a wrestling ring. And I attended shows for over ten years, front row. But I'll go back to what I was saying. Death matches became this thing where instead of Zandig fucking busting out of the back and interrupting someone's promo and said, I'm tired of your shit. Main event, string the fucking ropes up. Uh, the barbed wire up, no rope barbed wire, motherfucker, you're going to die. Like, that was the type of shit we used to get. And, you know, the other cool thing about it, too, was it created such suspense because there was a good amount of time where they weren't really advertising the, the biggest deathmatch stuff. A lot of the stuff in the arena, they weren't really even advertising as much. They were kind of playing it light, and then when you got there, shit went down. And that that created so much more of a suspense and atmosphere, something. Now we're just going, are you ready to see a lot of fucking blood and fuckery and glass and whatever? And let's fuck it. And it's just like, ah, like fucking eight matches of that. And it's not a tournament. It's just a thing. No one has beef. Every once in a while, they have a little half a storyline, and then the rest of the matches are just guys killing each other to the same extent, only with no storyline, with no really backing. Just that guy versus that guy, you know. And, and, like, there's just nothing to it. The days of Zandig and Lobo are, are far gone. Um, I, I mean, I'd venture to say that Matt Tremont and DJ Hyde painted a better story than fucking about anything that's going on within the realms of an ICW or, I mean, the, the death match scene is, is void of build. Um, it's, there's no element of danger. There's no, um, suspension of disbelief where you think like, maybe this guy doesn't want to get cut, you know, like where even the necro butcher used to come out, and he'd, he'd go to touch the, the barb, and he'd shake his hand like, Jesus Christ, did I just cut my fucking finger just now? And he'd shake it, and he'd look at his finger. You know, this guy was one of the craziest motherfuckers on the planet, and a wife beater. But besides that, he sold the product because he cared about it. And that was that's what's gone. That's what's fucking gone. You guys can bring him back after he beats a woman... And go like, yeah, Necro Butcher. But you threw away everything he built. Because you're not, you're not trying to make this believable at all. You're just leaving it all right out there. You might as well have the fans bring the blades. You know? Fans bring the blades match. And then lucky fan, when the wrestler comes and bows his head in front of you, you give him a good little gig there. And, and that'll be the fucking thing. And then fans will sell the shirts that such and such bled on. And, and you know, it, this will just help to expand this, this blood fetish that you guys are continuing to um, play out. Because it's not what it was. It's, it's not the vibe that it was. 
and you know, and again, this isn't like this isn't saying that there aren't good deathmatch wrestlers out there. There's still tremendous deathmatch wrestlers out there. Masada is still one of the best in the world. I mean, Drake was on top of his game when he went out. Um, Schlack has been doing insane work. He's finally booked in a way that Danny DeMano couldn't do, that Brett Lauderdale couldn't do, that fucking DJ Hyde couldn't do. None of these motherfuckers knew how to book a monster like a monster. Crazy. Um, You know, so when I see shit now, now it's so casual because that's how deathmatch wrestling is turned into. Deathmatch wrestling is turned into someone crying at the other one and doing very blatant, unbelievable shit and sloppily half the time. Um, with no build, with no meaning. You know, it's like, thing is, is a lot of people, we'll go back to that statement too, but a lot of people will throw out the, um, oh, if you, if you can't do it, don't, if you fucking can't criticize. Yeah, but like, I'm looking at the guys that did it right. I'm looking at the fucking J.C. Baileys, who took a fucking bump and screamed like, Holy shit, did he just break his fucking leg? He's screaming. He's fucking screaming. He is now holding a shard of the glass into his stomach to look like it's wedged in his stomach when it's really kind of not. It's just laying on his body, and he wants to further portray the pain to the audience. He wants to show that, like, he's, he's trying to look at the fucking cut that he just got off of the, the bump that he just took through this thing. Screaming. And you're like, what the fuck? You know, that was his way of portraying the pain. That's not done anymore. It's just not fucking done anymore. Uh, it's like the lockup has been replaced with a fucking spot off of a fucking scaffolding. And you're like, now here's where we start. And, and then what? And then what the fuck? Why would I care? And this is so much of what the problem is with this entire... Um, little exchange I had with this scumbag, but, like, if you don't care, why should I? And why are you protective over something that you clearly don't give a shit about? Because if these type of things don't bother you as a promoter, as someone who's producing a show, as someone who's putting a product out, who's trying to sell a brand, who's trying to sell something to people, if you don't give a fuck and that's just good enough, and the fans don't give a fuck and that's just good enough, And then everybody who says, hey, that kind of looks fucking terrible. They're just a fucking asshole. Well, then I don't think your company has room for growth. And that's not a fucking spoiler alert for me. I never thought your company had room for growth. No one on the planet thinks your your company has room for growth. I mean, you can only get bigger at this point. I don't think you can get much smaller. However, I don't think there's a chance that that happens. Not on your back. Not when you're fucking arguing with fans. You're telling people who had cancer, like, to fix a fuck-up in their life. Not, not, not that guy. Not that guy. That's not the guy who's built for success. That's a fucking loser. So, um, so back to this spot, right? Because, you know, and this is the thing I, I brought up on a, a show a few months ago or whenever I did it. Um, I randomly saw a match 
not a match, sorry. I saw a clip of a spot that happened where Danny DeMano threw uh, Brandon Kirk off of a balcony through a flaming table. And I saw it on Instagram and was like, God damn, like, that is so fucking, like, for no, like, I, I have no idea when that was, why that was, where that was. I never heard a person mention it. Like, this used to be the type of shit that would set the indie world on fire. Literally, you know. But, um, but like, if Zandig or uh, Whitefeeder or, not Necro, the other one, um, Gage or whoever threw someone off a balcony through a flaming table, it would be somewhat of a buzz. It would be something. It just would be something. It wouldn't be a mid-card spot that was never really even talked about. Other than this little fucking bottom-feeding scumbag fucking fan base. You know, it didn't reach anyone else's ears. Like, it didn't even fucking happen. Tree falling in the fucking woods. And I looked and it happened, like, fucking eight months prior to when I saw it. I was like, Jesus Christ, like, that's, <laughs> that's a shame to take that fucking bump for nothing. You know, uh, you know, so I, this is the type of shit I'm talking about where I'm just like, half of this shit is just for nothing. It's not a, so, you know, I just see shit like that and I don't follow like Danny DeMano. I don't follow Brandon Kirk. So the only way I'm going to see this is if some other page or something posts that and most of these deathmatch pages that I actually follow still on, like, Instagram, I only follow for comedy. I honestly just, because I'm like, look at this stupid shit. Like I said, when the balcony thing, I was just like, wow, that was fucking really dumb. Like, who the fuck was that for? Like, who, who's, who's you going to tell about that shit at a barbecue this summer? What the fuck is... <laughs> what the fuck is... <laughs> Who's he going to pull out his phone and show that to on his fucking... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so I was like, uh, all right. And um, that, because that used to be, again, that used to be a Tournament of Death final spot. That used to be a, a Cage of Death final spot, you know, in the in the main spot. Not, not some mid-card bullshit that no one fucking sees. So... The spot we're talking about, and Cruel. Now, Cruel is a guy that, when I saw him come out, I immediately didn't like him. And I'll tell you why. I, I think I said this on the show before, but if not, um, he reminded me 100% of brain damage. I, I thought the way his mannerisms, the way that he worked, the, his no-selling, it just he was a taller, bigger brain damage. And I didn't like it. I just didn't like it. I just, you know... I I really liked Brain Damage's work, and um, yeah, I, I thought he was a great dude. And I don't know, I just something about it, I just didn't like it that much. And I told a couple people that I think this motherfucker's like a, it just seems like a brain damage mockery. Like, and again, it could be a full-on tribute for all I know. It doesn't really matter to me. It's just to me, for my entertainment, it just it brought me the wrong way. I was just like, eh, I don't really feel this guy. And I think one of the first matches um, I, I heard of him was he was wrestling maybe Hoodfoot. And some shit happened where 
they, he ripped like an enormous chunk of fucking meat out of his chest. So again, mid-card, fucking nothing. And then it was like, I don't know if that one had to go fund me. I, I, I want to say it didn't, because I know some of these other ones have, you know, these these um elective deathmatch injuries, you know, GoFundMes for those. But I digress. Um, so that was like the first time I saw him, and it was like this crazy fucking wound. And, um, then when he came back immediately, they were, they were pushing him like a monster. They didn't push him like a monster going into that match. And, um, as far as I know, um, but they were very clearly billing him as this unstoppable force that now, again, to me, worked exactly like brain damage. So I was like, all right, well, I'm not really feeling this guy and I see what they're doing with him. It is what it is. So, um, I guess they're doing a thing with the Kirks versus him or whatever, so... They have the chairs set up like chairs you'd be sitting on, you know, like they're suitable. Uh, four chairs, and then you got the two chairs laying flat on top of them. So more or less making like a table out of the chairs, right? So they're standing on top of these chairs, Casey Kirk and um, Cruel. Cruel has a sawzall. Yeah, um, where did I see that before? Shoot. Oh, that's right. Brain damage versus John Moxley. Everyone knows about it because John Moxley's had to talk about it in almost every interview since he's done the WWE. Um, so I have no idea where they got that from. Must be a coincidence. Um, so he's going for that spot where he's going to cut Casey Kirk's head, which, again, to me is fucking stupid. I hated it even when they did it with the brain damage spot because you're clearly not going to use a sawzall on a human being or you'd rip their flesh but, I, mean, I mean, you cut metal with it. You can cut wooden posts with it. You're not actually using it as intended on a human. So it's a dumb fucking spot because you're doing a lot of legitimate actual things, going through glass, going through fire, going through barbed wire. All of that shit has very real cause and, and effect. You know, it has, like, very, very real progression, and what happens is the result of a real thing that they just did. So now we're just doing another fake thing within the real things. I, I just, I never liked it. I don't like when Satu Jin comes out with a sword and then he carves the back of the fucking handle of the sword in the guy's head. Like there's not a different way to use a sword to really fucking hurt someone. Like I, I just can leave that in the back because now I got to fucking pretend like I don't, I don't know that this is ridiculous. Just leave it in the back. You don't have to do that. I'm not saying cut him for real. I'm not saying, you know, fucking saw his head off with the sword. I'm just saying leave it in the fucking back because there's a clear way that's used. And if you did use it right. So the only thing you're showing me in this match, uh, this guy or that guy with the fucking sawzall or the sword is you don't know how to use a sawzall. Or you don't know how to use a fucking sword. Because if you did, that guy'd be dead. That, and that's, that's what we're learning here today. Boy, if he knew how to use that, he'd be in trouble. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing I'm thinking. Like, what the fuck? So, he's going for the, I'm going to kill Casey Kirk with the Sawzall thing, right? And uh, Brandon Kirk's behind him on the ground. I guess recovering from whatever, you know, uh, finish in the middle of the match that he took, I'm sure. Um, and so Brandon Kirk comes up and saves the day and hits, cruel with a low blow so here's here's where the first stupid looking thing happens other than everything i just explained which is also stupid so maybe not the first thing um he lobs now because obviously if he drops the sawzall 
they're going to do a stupid spot right beneath him, so then he doesn't want to fall on the sawzall. So now, after getting hit with the with the nut shot, he gingerly tosses his weapon over the chairs that they're standing on. So he did he like very blatantly discards his weapon after being attacked, which is you know clearly the way you would react is like let me get rid of my weapon now that I'm fighting two people. You know what I mean? Because that's that's the picture we're painting. So he does that. He throws that over the chairs. Looks really great. And then he bends down and puts his hand between his legs so Brandon Kirk can grab it for his pump handle move that he's going to do. And, of course, he does. And, you know, Cruel takes the bump on the chairs. and, And the fans go fucking crazy. And... This is the thing on, on, on Instagram. So I just said that that looked like total shit. And, you know, he just put his arm in between his legs. And I guess they spelled the guy's name wrong. So the first comment I got was a correction on the name, which I didn't even realize was cruel. It was the actual guy. Because his name was like atrocity, cruel, something or other. I, I don't know, like, you know no different than any other and you know this whole exchange is no different than fans on the internet you know that's what it that's what it came across so you wouldn't even think it's the wrestler going oh this is how you spell my name you would just think it's another dickhead fan that's just like oh you misspelled his name bro like because why the fuck is this like build monster correcting people's spelling on the internet. Like, why Why would that be his fucking... Why would that be good for his brand? You know, like... But, because fuck it. Because the promoter doesn't care and the fans don't care, so uh, fuck it, right? Again, this, this is what I'm saying. This is, they're just proving exactly what I'm saying within this post, too. So then, um... He says some shit. Let me see if I even... I don't know. I screenshotted, like, Danny's little shitty comment, but I don't remember if I got Cruel's, uh, uh, when he made it, he made it sexual, because, yeah, there he goes, he goes, uh, because other people are like, oh, my God, like, how dare he, you know, whatever, fucking asshole, and, uh, Danny, you know, um, so he goes, it's fine, guys, he's right, I shouldn't have reached back. I just didn't want Brandon to grab my dick and think it was my arm. The bump was sick, though. We live and learn. Bro, see, this is the shit I'm talking about. This is exactly what I'm talking about. So this big, unstoppable monster just leaned into the fetish lane. Now we're back to grabbing dicks because this is what you guys are up to. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. This is, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing fans say that they want to blow you, and I see... You saying something about this guy grabbing your dick, and then the other one, and then there was another comment after that where someone's like, oh, something something further leaning into that avenue, and it's just like, what the fuck? And, um, and, uh, you know, saying, like, the bump was sick, like, yeah, man, I, I, again, I, I guess I'm the one that doesn't get it, it's okay, um, let me see. So then, of course, you get another guy, uh, Kid Eric. He goes, uh, 
Oh yeah, well why don't you get in there if you're not if if you could do better first off. That comment has always been ridiculous to me and and, and more now than ever. Because if you literally look at my life and the way that I do everything I do, everything that I want to do, keep keep um focus on, on that part of my sentence. Everything that I want to do in life and the passion and dedication I put into it. Look at all of that. And think to yourself that if I really dedicated to wrestling, deathmatch wrestling, whatever the fuck wrestling, and I made that my life, the way that I did cats, the way that I did saving cats' lives, and you see the physicality I have, do you really really in your fucking heart believe that I wouldn't outdo a Danny DeMano if I put 20 years into doing what the fuck he did with my body and my mind and my drive, you really think a guy like that, a guy like Brandon Kirk, a guy like fucking this one and that one, you know, I'm not saying, yo, I would be the best deathmatch wrestler in the world, but to just say, like, well, you couldn't do it, Stop. I have no intention, no desire, no want, no any of that shit to be a deathmatch wrestler. But don't fool yourself, bro. I'm not I'm not AJ Viola and his fucking slouch father. I'm not Captain Dave. You know what I mean? Look at what the fuck you're talking to. And again, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal, but I'm putting myself above a majority of you motherfucking wrestling fans. Majority. And if you don't fall into that category, there's nothing to be offended about. Then you're the 10%. But a lot of you aren't. You just look across the fucking audience. You get it. Especially that, that deathmatch crowd. Ooh. Yeah, that's, um, what do they call that, sus? Yeah, that's <laughs> y'all. Uh, yeah, y'all. Uh, it's a different breed. It's it's a very similar to a juggalo group. Very very similar to the gathering of the juggalos, which uh, you know. But anyway, um, so you know, this is just my my criticism on the spot that was done. You know, this is this is how I, I saw it, and this is how I said, well, this is how I feel about what I'm seeing. And to me, that's really all there needs to be. Like, it doesn't, I'm not saying I think this guy cruel is a piece of shit, and he could fuck himself, and, his, you know what I mean? Like, this is not, like, I didn't, I really didn't say anything, like, negative about the guy. You know, I, I, I don't know, um, and and you know I I didn't even take a shot at Danny, which I'm very happy to do. I am um, trying to look for his initial comment. I might not have it. He said something about uh, he called me kitty cat, and he said uh, uh, he's still trolling deathmatch pages. And I just tried to tell him like, yo man, like. This is casual to me. I was eating breakfast. I saw this shit and was like, that's stupid as fuck. And then I moved. I And then I, by the time, like, 
everybody else was commenting I had moved from my eggs to my oatmeal. And I was just like, I wasn't even starting my day, like, you know, so, like, this thought, like, I'm on deathmatch pages, like, searching for fucking things to talk shit about, like, nah, man, <clears throat> it's really not that serious. And it's only every once in a while that I even feel compelled to comment, and I'm just in a mood where I'm just like, fuck this stupid shit. And it's like, like I've always said, I'm just one jerk off from Jersey, so if my opinion has you in such a fucking outrage that, like, this this is how you feel, and this is how hyped up you are about it, where, where you got to make comments like you made, you know, about people's personal life. I mean, and that's cool, man. That, that just shows who you are. You know what I mean? Because who I am, I'm someone who's brutally honest and critical of, of wrestling and honestly not high on deathmatch wrestling at all anymore. I'm not super high on wrestling as, as a whole. It's not my favorite form, form of entertainment. That's absolutely football. And, you know, overall, like, it's not my thing, you know what I mean? So, and I've said that a lot on this show, where it's just like, if it's if it's for the whole fucking crowd that's in that building, good for you guys. But if you want my opinion on when I watch it, I'm, I'm going to give you my opinion. This is how I see it. It doesn't fucking matter if you agree with me or not. Because if, if I agreed just with you, because that's what you wanted, that's how you see it. That's not how I see it. Like, if you fucking... If you bought a fucking dessert or something and said, well, here, what do you think? Yeah, And then, like, you wanted your spouse to taste it and you gave a piece to them and you said, what do you think? They wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like, it would be a bad thing if they were like, I only want to respond in the way that you want to hear me respond. You know, oh, I like it because you like it. What? That's not your opinion. I mean, you might be happy that your spouse likes it, but you don't have to fucking like it because they like it. What the fuck? So, but this is just, you know, this is why people get so fucking butthurt because I, I say this shit and they just can't handle criticism, which makes you a bad business owner, which makes you a bad entertainer because you're putting yourself out there for criticism and you're not, you're not handling criticism in a way. If you just think everything that I'm saying if all I am is a troll, all I am, I, you should have been the one to block me instead of the other way around. Because why would you want that in your atmosphere? You have nothing to say that's constructive. You have nothing to say that, um, you know, that, that counters that and go, yeah, man, like, <laughs> I hear you. And, and do kind of like cop to it too, so yeah, I shouldn't have done that or whatever. And then got all weird with it and, you know, they go off on their tangents. Um, And he said something like, um, what the fuck did he say? Oh, I said, um, I said, I, I haven't, I didn't build myself off of saying things so people would like me. And, uh, and I said, you know, remember Danny, you, you told me a long time ago that I'd be going away soon. And by the way, that's expired. It's not soon anymore. That was like probably 10 years, close to 10 years ago. I mean, maybe six years ago, something like that. That soon ain't soon anymore. So you lost on that one, Danny. Um, might want to refresh your browser. Um, now would be a good time to make that statement because you, you never know. Like, I had cancer already, and you're clearly cold to that. So might as well just make that statement now, right? Because he told he told people years ago 
when I had that situation with Hamhead and I was shooting ringside for a Jersey Opera, he was like, um, don't worry, he's going to be going away soon. <laughs> so anyway, um, so that's what I was referencing. I said, Danny, um, remember years ago, told me I'd be going away soon. And I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, I, I didn't want to, you know, live, I forget what I said, something along the lines, I didn't want to, you know, give you your way or some stupid shit. But, you know, just, just that's it. Like, again, like, this shit is light to me. Like, I'm not really, like, I'm not out here, like, Danny DeMano, that motherfucker. Like, Rob Black's way more consumed with Danny DeMano. I mean, that's, that's obvious, but, um, I mean, I'm trying to think of someone who barely cares about Danny DeMano, so I could tell you how, how much less I care than that, but, so then he says some shit, um, let me see, because this is where the, uh, this is where the shit, because I said, you know, I, I didn't build myself off of, uh, saying other things that people like me. And he said, maybe if you built who you are a little better, you wouldn't be asking for other people to donate money to fix your fuck-ups in life. To which I told him, I got cancer. If that's a fuck-up, I'm not really sure what you mean, but okay. And I blocked him. Because, again, I don't need it in my fucking atmosphere. So, to speak to his comment, first off, um, I will tell you for certain that none of the things that have happened in my life right now um, would have happened if I hadn't gotten cancer. So the the comment that I am I have a GoFundMe up to fix my fuck-ups in life um, definitely refers to cancer being my fuck-up in life because none of the other things would have taken the course of action they did. I wouldn't be in the position I'm now without having gotten cancer at a foot of my colon removed. Now, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not painting this picture to be like, yo, poor me and everything. Um, I think I do a fair share of that. But, hey, I mean, we, we earn our scars. Uh, to say that we're not allowed to talk about them is, is absolute insanity, and I, I don't think um, I'm conforming to that anytime soon. Anytime I go through something, no one's going to ever tell me. That it's, uh, hey, you shouldn't keep talking about that, or, uh, you know, it's a little much, or, you know, any, it's, uh, I'll, I'll be my own, um, gauge on that, and I think I'm doing a good job, but anyway, um, so that's how Danny feels about people who put up GoFundMes for cancer-related struggles, um, meanwhile, again, how many wrestlers in his, his company or that, that worked for him put up GoFundMes because they got a really bad cut in the ring that they signed up for. The fuck-ups in life. You know what I mean? But, you know, here's the thing about Danny DeMano. Like, Danny, Danny fails to realize that, like I was saying before about wrestling, if I drove myself at anything in life, if I chose the same thing that he did in anything in life... I would do it better than him. I'm built better than you, Danny. I'm physically built better than you. Mentally, I'm better than you. I, I, I saved thousands of cats over 20 years. And all you did is 
chase wrestlers around and try to impress them. All you did is hang around the hit squad, try to impress them. Pop into CZW, try to impress Zandig. Run around Fat Frank, try to impress him. And some of those guys you impressed a little bit. But your 20-year accomplishment, your 20-plus year accomplishment, results in, in the world of professional wrestling, a couple other wrestlers think I did a good job. That's your whole fucking life. That's your whole fucking life encapsulated. You've accomplished nothing in the real world. Nothing. You call me a broke loser, but I've, I've saved thousands of lives. I, I've changed the world for animals. You talk about my tattoos as if I got them in secret. I got these proud. I'll wear these motherfuckers on my body till I die on purpose. This isn't because I fucked up and I was fucked up and got a stupid tattoo. Pretty sure anything on your body looks shittier than anything on my body. Anything. Pause. But the thing about it is, is this is this is the lanes that they lean into because they're insecure. You know, the thing is, is you can lean at my tattoos. My tattoos all have meaning and, and just things that I love. You know, Muppets were a big part of my childhood. And um, I, I love the Muppets and, and puppetry and all of that stuff. So my favorite Muppets is, is what I tattooed on my body. And, um, you know, uh, gremlins were always my thing. Again, uh, there's things that I like. Other people, other people in millions like skulls. As long as you do that, super cool, bro. But, like, you got a Muppet on your body? Do you have tiger stripes? What kind of shit is that, man? You should have skulls like everyone else. Go fuck yourself. Number one, like I said, the last thing I got fucking tattoos for is Danny DeMano. That's not, that's not, I'd never in a million years would I go into fucking anywhere and go, what would Danny like? Because I don't give a fuck what Danny likes. I know what Danny likes. Danny likes fucking hanging out with guys, getting in fucking matches, rolling around with them, and then crying on the fucking mic to them. That's what Danny likes. Danny likes standing in front of 200 people and acting like he's important. That's what Danny likes. Danny likes fucking making himself the center of attention and grabbing the mic before the fucking ring announcer grabs the mic. Danny likes grabbing the mic as soon as the fucking main event's over. Danny likes attention. So Danny's getting his attention today, but Danny's not going to get any more attention from me going forward because this is why I block people. Because we have one discussion because I bumped into you in like a neutral place, not because we were friends, not because we were someone who I, I had regular plans to have a conversation with because I bumped into you on a, a, a neutral zone and forgot like, oh shit, I, but the, yeah, I guess not having them as a friend wasn't good enough because if you don't block them, you're going to bump into them somewhere else. And, and now I got to hear his shitty opinion. Now I got to hear how he thinks cancer is a fuck up. Like I fucked up and got cancer. That's what I got to hear out of this guy because that's his character. You know, like, the thing with Danny is, like, he, he went in there. He was the connection. He was the connection to Ricky O. 
he was the connection to Ricky O and, and got that popping, and then Brett fucking took the company right out from under him and shoved his bitch ass out the door. And then when Rob Black came in, boy, oh, boy, did he fuck your mouth, Danny, didn't he? How, how many fucking weeks is he talking to you uh, about you on the show? I listened to one, maybe maybe one and a half, and I couldn't really tolerate a whole lot more of his voice, but this guy dedicates a whole shitload of airtime to what a piece of shit you are. And you know what's funny is the guy who was sitting on your fucking couch, your best friend, the one that you couldn't help, but again, eh, you can call it putting over, you can call it stealing spotlight, whatever you call the promoter needing to introduce the ring announcer before every show but you would do that and if we're going towards putting over which i'm sure was your um that's what you would like it to be viewed as well again you you put this guy over every show he was your best friend he was the guy he was the best he was everything else he says you're a piece of shit he went to your fucking competitor the guy that wanted to bury you and he says fuck you and you know what you say in response? I love Larry, and I hope he comes back, because he's not wrong. See, you call me a piece of shit. I got something to say about it. That's, that's, that's why I'm on this right here, putting you in your place verbally. Because it doesn't make any sense to say that to somebody. You know what I mean? But when it comes down to what do your friends say about you? What do you... What do the people who are right next to you say about you? What are wrestlers saying in my DMs about you? You know? You're not well-respected, man. You're not. You're just really not. And whether I am or not within the wrestling community is completely irrelevant to my life. Completely irrelevant to my life. It has zero to do with my day-to-day and all the things that I do. If you listen to the beginning of the show, you could hear the rundown of the content I'm trying to put out there genuinely and really try to show myself to the world and, and you know, and build something in it. And if you want to go back and, and laugh at your wrestling buddies with all of that stuff, but you notice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there's not a wrestling day on that. There's not a day where, like, I consume myself with wrestling. So this is why, like, I, I need you to understand that I don't give a shit about I don't give a fuck about what you give a fuck about, as Sean Price said. That that you know, it's it's just not. But it's it's funny to me because, you know, like guys like Slack, walked right the fuck out to your doors, didn't look back, and stood with the promoter that was just pissing on you, and you say nothing. You say nothing. You're arguing with me, going after me personally during cancer struggle on the internet, but you won't say shit to the motherfucker that's burying you verbally, taking your fucking building, taking your fucking talent, taking your fucking ring announcer, you won't open your fucking mouth. Because they're petty enough to send somebody to your fucking house. That's why. I'm not. I'm living a genuine family life and all the things that I was telling you about before, those are the things that I'm really into, including what you told, because, uh, again, when you came riding in on that white horse to defend a seven-foot man, you uh, <laughs> you were really proud of yourself. Uh, where, where is, uh, 
There was another comment. Yeah, I don't have it. Um, but he said uh, he said something like, uh, "Wait till I show you his stupid tattoos and puppet videos. It's gonna be fun on Friday." So I guess they're hanging out on Friday or something. I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. But um, again, like the tattoos were on purpose. Um, I actually be hanging out with my artist this weekend. He's gonna be stopping by, so that's dope. Um, not getting any work done or anything, just hanging out, you know what I'm saying? But, um, but yeah, man, like, I'm proud of my work. I'm, and actually next week when I run the Savage race, um, every single race I've ever run, I've gotten compliments on at least three different of my tattoos every single race. Every single race. Because, like, one will be talking about the gremlin stuff, one will be talking about the Muppet stuff, one will be talking about the stripes on my back, somebody, you know, I mean, occasional Niner fan, you know, and, and again, this isn't, I'm not doing this for anybody else, but it's not just like this globally embraced thought that like, I have terrible tattoos, that's, that's your feeling, and that's fine, because you don't have to have them, this is, this is exactly what I wanted. I didn't spin a wheel and be like, oh, you see what he wound up with? Like, it's the dumbest insult in the world because I literally picked every one of my fucking tattoos and not, like, on a whim or anything. You know, it's who I am. So I clearly, I know you don't like who I am, so it's totally normal. Um, and then the puppet videos, which was so coincidental because remember I told you we were doing the Friday thing, right? And it was going to be like a... Um, you know, like a rotating kind of thing, uh, do a kind of like a miscellaneous Fridays and shit. And I totally planned on this Friday being puppets. And this motherfucker told talk about my puppet videos on Friday. So that is fantastic promotion. I, I got to say that um, this guy, man, he, he hit a great coincidence right on the head. And, um, yeah, man, uh, check it out for sure. The thing about it is, again, I choose these things. These are things that I unapologetically love in life. You know, when I was a kid, I was a huge Jim Henson fan, a huge Muppet fan. And um, it just fascinated me. It was a great form of entertainment. You know, you had the cartoons, and then you had this other thing that was like, it was something else. And, uh, you know, the puppetry and the things that they did, it just it obviously had a lot more life to it. There was no CGI. There was no people walking around next to cartoons and things like that. So when you saw the puppetry, you know, and, and the, the way that they would do the silly skits and the, the, the comedy and the, the musical performances and all that stuff, it just fascinated me. I just loved it so much. So as I got older, um, when I quit drinking, which, by the way, I'm 10 years sober off alcohol now, so... That's great. Uh, July 8th was my 10 year. And I completely missed it. Completely fucking missed it because it's like so not a thing to me anymore. Um, it obviously is. It's a huge thing. But like it's become something that I just don't think about. Like, oh, you know, X amount of months down. Like I'm, I'm just beyond it, you know. And, and I'm very proud of that and I'm happy about that. But, um, but yeah, so when I quit drinking, I was putting away um, – was going through 100 beers a week easily because um, I was going through at least three 30 packs plus 
and then hard alcohol too. Um, so, you know, the money that I was putting in weekly, I was putting in obviously even if you went just the 330 packs, which it didn't cap off at 330 packs. I was definitely hitting that that good hundred a week. It was, um, and I'm not saying that as bragging at all. Please never take anything that I say about drinking as like, yeah, I used to, like as a bragging thing. I'm definitely saying it is somewhere that I'm so proud to be beyond and, and um, you know, hate that I had to live through and, and the people around me more than anything had to live through. But, um, you know, it's something that I got through. So I'm speaking it as, as history and facts, but not as... Um, like, you know, I used to take down, I like I, drinking disgusts me. Um, it's not for me. And if it, if it works for you, great. But there's so many people out there to do like the celebration of drinking and shit. And that to me is just, it's, it's gross to me. It's very amateur and um, immature to me. Um, but anyway, each their own. Um, but so when I quit drinking, there was, you know, even if you just said the 330 packs, that's, you know, 20-something bucks a piece, you know, you're throwing away at least 60 bucks a week, you know, do that times four in a month, you know, like, this shit adds up so fast, and what you look at, what you put put away, and it's just gone, it's just, you're just throwing it away, like, you're put, you know, running it through your body real quick, but you're pissing it out, you know, like, this is what you're doing with any kind of vice, and that you're spending a significant amount of consistent money on, so, Um, when I quit, one of the things that I allowed myself, because again, just like the the mental struggles I go through now, I I didn't go through AA and shout out to AA and people who use it and and the people whose lives it helped to save because it's a great program for the people who it works for. For me, it was just, uh, I was never like a a group kind of guy. So, yeah. So, I afforded myself pretty much whatever I wanted to buy. I was like, well, now I'm going to get something. And that's when I got more into photography and I bought um, more expensive cameras and, and I got, I've gotten so many great pictures out of it. I got to shoot ringside with that, um, with, with cameras that, you know, came from, all of this mindset of saying, well, now reward yourself because you would have threw out a thousand dollars, you know, within this month's span, go spend that on yourself and, and have something that you'll have for years to come because that money that you invested is, is yours. Like it, that's, that's yours. Instead of throwing it away the way you were, do, do a version of that, but that you could hold on to, that you can keep them, and they'll be like, how much was that? And then you say, and they're like, wow, and it's like, yeah, but I used to throw that in the garbage. So that's the mindset I had. So I did a little bit of splurging, and I did so on the end of cameras, um, and then I did so on the end of puppets, because I thought to myself, I was like, you know, it would be super cool to have, like, a legit, authentic, like, animal or kermit or like one of those muppets just like sitting in my house you know and then i started to look up like puppets and professional puppets and replicas and things like that and a lot of them were very very expensive you know twelve hundred dollars fifteen hundred dollars for like real like spot-on legit replicas and functional and all of that but then i started thinking to myself i said well although that would be really cool 
those are established characters. So unless I can do a spot-on impression of those characters, those are just going to be, they're going to sit on the shelf. Because I wouldn't even fucking pretend to be like, oh, I could nail, I could do a decent Kermit at times, but, like, I don't know about carrying it through, like, skits and doing my own Kermit shit, because there's already a Kermit. He already has a personality, a voice, and, well, you know, I mean, that's questionable, but he's starting to do better. Um, but, you know, like, these, these are characters that are established, so to spend 1200 or 1500 and then do a lame voice with a perfect puppet, nah, it's off already. Like, there's nothing you can do with that. So that's the showpiece, and that's really nice. If I ever wind up somehow a millionaire or some shit like this, I'll totally have a theater room that's set up like the Muppet Show Theater with, like, replicas that are just, like, standees that are just, you know, non-functional, just... You know, I, I totally will with fucking uh, Stotler and Waldorf in the balcony and shit like that. Completely. Um, but uh, then, unlikely to ever happen. But, you know, so anyway. So then I started thinking, like, well, what if I got my own kind of puppets? And I started looking at, like, professional-grade puppets. And what I landed on was Lunaspuppets.com and found that they were a, a puppet company that was founded from their um, their daughter was growing up and they wanted to buy her puppets and they wanted to do interactive puppet stuff with their daughter. So um, her name was Luna. Um, so when they were looking around, they saw a lot of things that were very expensive, kind of same kind of deal. So they just started, they decided to start building them themselves, obviously way more crafty than me. And uh, I looked and found them. And uh, so I, I ended up getting a puppet made from them. A custom puppet made from them from one of their designs and I got it in the color that I wanted and all that and months later it was mine and I went from there and I bought another two for myself I bought one for my older daughter and I bought smaller ones for my twins and when I bought the smaller ones for my twins I did it on my birthday um one of those years forget what year that was, um, 41, maybe, 39, I don't know, um, but I just thought it would be really cool to give my daughter's gifts on my birthday, because, like, to see your kids happy, it's, like, one of the best things that you could have, you know what I mean, so to me, that's, um, so when I got these puppets, I, you know, that's when you really realize, like, oh, shit, these motherfuckers were no joke, and you start playing with it, and you start to try to get on camera, and you try to keep your arms and your body and all that out of camera, and you try to get that expressiveness out of the puppet to make it look like it's animated, like it's not just something that's standing there with its mouth flapping. You're actually moving it around like it has life to it. And and um, and to me, that was fascinating. And now when I, I went back and I watched some Muppet stuff, now I'm like, yo, how did they do this or this? And, and then you would start to see where things were done really, really well and how this was done and that shot. And to me, it was always fascinating. So it's something I've toyed with as a hobby because, as I just explained, for all of those reasons, I enjoy it very much, and I, it's fascinating to me. Um, so I have my cast of the characters up here in my room, and um, I will definitely be using them on Friday and showing off some of the stuff that I have done with them when I took Grizz out uh, to AC, and I took him to the, the um, Museum of Moving Image in New York with the Jim Henson exhibit. 
Um, so, you know, while, while Danny DeMano has, like, this intention to make fun of me for things that I'm into and stuff, but, like, you know, these are the guys that they're collecting action figures of wrestlers that they know. Like, they're, that's, they're doing that. Like, but to each their own. You know what I mean? Like, do what the fuck you want to do. You can laugh at my fucking life, but I'm unapologetic about it, you know? You're a sucker, you know? You're going you're gonna to go and fucking hang out with wrestlers that you think like you, and half of them fucking will agree with me on this fucking podcast. Maybe not the ones you're talking to today, maybe not the ones you're talking to tomorrow, but half the motherfuckers that your brother brothered with, I don't, they don't feel the same way you think they do. A good amount of them. But it's all right, man. Like, it's it's just keep doing your thing. Just keep being a toxic fucking scumbag because that's what I expect out of you. I don't expect anything better out of you. I don't expect anything impressive out of you. I wouldn't expect you to beat Rob Rob Black in this in this battle, take your building back and and run bigger shows and take his audience. I don't expect you to do that. I expect you to fail. So you're doing exactly what I what I thought. You can fly yourself to fucking England. You can fly yourself to Japan. You can fly yourself wherever the fuck you want. No one's looking for you. And if you, you prove that, that wrong to yourself once or twice and you go on the internet and pat yourself on the back for it, that's just more of you putting yourself over, which is all you've ever done. Not nearly as much of other people putting Danny DeMano over. It's more Danny DeMano putting Danny DeMano over. But that's okay, because that's your lane, that's what you do, and you have 200 something fans that'll go and hang out with you, and you can call yourself a squat god or whatever you want to do. I think you're a punk, and um, that's just who you are. That's just who you are. I remember when you tried to get me. Um, to not be able to shoot ringside photography at Jersey All Pro, and then you got Hamhead in there because you knew Hamhead didn't like me. And then when I saw Hamhead in Bayonne, and I got in his face, and he looked like he was going to cry, there was nothing to there was nothing to be done there. You didn't even stand there and back the dude up. You didn't even go you didn't even go help him out. And then later that night, you broke your fucking leg in front of me. And I didn't stand there and fucking laugh. I didn't clap. I didn't fucking, I didn't, I didn't fucking tell people, oh, look at this guy's fuck-ups in life. Because I'm not a scumbag, Danny. I got cancer. That's my fuck-up in life, Danny. And I hope that if, if by chance you fuck up in the same way that I'm here to see it. It's not wishing cancer on you. Just wishing that I'm here to see it if you get it. Because you'll notice that I'm not the guy saying the things that you're saying. And then maybe you'll understand that the things that you said were wildly inappropriate. And that doesn't make you a badass. It makes you a scumbag. You know, and before you hear anything I say and get all fucking fired up with yourself, no one's out here fucking street fighting, asshole. I'm 45 years old. I'm doing fucking Savage Race on August 5th. I'm doing two races that day. That's not something you're going to hear that Danny DeMano did. 
and you turn 40 next month. I'm five years older than you, having survived alcoholism, having survived cancer. So you'll have to forgive me if I don't give a fuck about a thing you say or do. But I wanted to make sure I addressed this in a way where you understood in every in every turn of this that I don't I don't think you're somebody who has any leg to stand on to talk shit to people. Not when you look the way you do. Not when you act the way you do. Not when you work the way you do. Not when you're you. Not when you're you, you don't have a fucking place to stand and talk shit to people who got cancer. Not when you're you. So, you keep that shit in mind and you go talk to uh, Cruel and watch my videos on Friday, buddy. Hopefully he doesn't wind up in Rob Black's fucking office the way that Larry did when you're sitting and watching videos and laughing at people with him. Because you know how that happens and you know how that feels. And now you have to sit there and bite your fucking tongue. Because those are people who did shit to you personally. I just had an opinion on a wrestling thing and you want to be a bully. So that'll be what it is. But that'll be all it is. So that's all I got to say about uh, this fucking guy for the foreseeable future. Unless somehow, someway he fucking ruffles my feathers again. But again, I do my best to just separate myself from situations like this so I don't have to deal with it. I can laugh at the fucking... Now I know that Cruel is, is very sensitive as well. And he's on the fucking deathmatch pages looking to see what people are saying about his moves when they're posted. So I, I just, like, I'm more likely not to comment because I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him about his shitty execution of a move. I, I shouldn't have to talk to him about that. That should be like him and another fucking guy going, hey, man, tighten that shit up, you know, whatever. Maybe the promoter instead of, you know, white knighting and defending it. But whatever, do your thing. I don't give a shit one way or another. So that's that about that whole um, thing. Another thing I want to talk about as far as deathmatch wrestling. Um, I've been talking a lot about this, and I, I really truly believe this to my core, is that deathmatch wrestling for the most part, not only has it turned into um, just a fetish, but it's also a way that people are band-aiding their mental instability and mental sickness, mental illness. Um, Mickey Knuckles, um, I, I had talked about Lefisto on the last show and, and how troubling I think her situation is. And I even mentioned Mickey Knuckles as one of those others that I, I just see as um, someone who I worry about, you know, post-wrestling. What are they going to do? seeing as they're using this, this physical abuse, this, this fetish for a Band-Aid for their mental illness. And what, what happens to them when that Band-Aid doesn't exist? Because the clock is going to run out on all of them to do this physically abusive shit, you know. Um, an injury will take them off the shelf for, you know, six months or eight months or a year or however long. And, and what happens in that time if this physically abusive band-aid fetish is your way of feeling normal that's the bigger picture to me um so 
Mickey Knuckles put out a shirt that says Cunt Monkey on it. Um, I hate this shit. I hate um, just vulgar for the sake of being vulgar shit on shirts. Like, when you get to be that age of being a grown man, you shouldn't want to walk around with that on your, your shirt. Like, when you walk around and a kid is reading your shirt because you're in line at the store and it says Cunt Monkey, like... As far as I, I know, that has never been Mickey Knuckles' thing. I've watched her since she was back, you know, uh, Ian's student and traveling with Ian and all of that. And I, I watched her back and all of that stuff. And Cunt Monkey was never something I heard her say or anyone say about her or anything. And, like, and now all these years later, and she just came off of saying that she does this for all the little girls that thinks that – you know, that that are being told that it's just a man's sport and this and this. And so what is cunt, who's cunt monkey for? So if that's your real fucking thing, which is just what you're saying, to mask the fucking mental illness, you're band-aiding with this shit. Who, who, who's cunt monkey? That's, is that for the little girls too? Come on, what the fuck is this? It's just ridiculous. I, you know, she's been one of the best deathmatch wrestlers in the world um, her whole career. You know, the stuff that she's done has been groundbreaking for any any female deathmatch wrestler. She's she's got to be top five all time. But what what is this? And then it's like an like the the logo is like an it kind of it, it, it's a clever logo. Because it's like an apple, it's supposed to be. You see her hair is like the top of it, I think. And then, like, it looks like her ass with a fucking thong on. And then, you know, like, but I don't, the cunt monkey, like, I just don't, I don't know. I, I just looked at it as like, well, that's garbage. Who the fuck, what, what fucking grown man is going to walk near me with that on and have me go like, oh, I, I respect that guy's opinion. As soon as I see someone with that shirt on, I go, like, they don't give a fuck about anything. Like, that's not, that's not, like, civil shit to just walk around with that on your shirt. I don't know. I just, I just see it as low class. And, um, not that I'm, like, you know, some kind of crazy sophisticated dude, but that's what I'm saying. When I see shit from my angle and I'm just this fucking Jersey jerk off and they go, that's a little much, then guess what? It, it fucking is. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, I don't know. It's not for me. Um, you know, one one guy I want to shout out, because he's become a good friend, listener to the show, and um, somebody who's reached out to me and, and supported me, and and that's Chainsaw Tony. Tony Myers, this guy, he's a stand-up guy. And this is a lot of what I say about deathmatch wrestling too, where there's no end game. Tremont's apartment and Danny's apartment combined wouldn't add up to the house that Chainsaw Tony lives in. They probably both had some negative shit to say about him. They probably act like they're too cool. They wouldn't give him the time of day. He's not on their level. But if you looked at this guy's life and you looked at the investments he's made in life and the career moves he's made to get to the position that he is, that he can live a life. He can take care of his kids. He can put his kids through college. He could do things like an adult instead of living in this weird cult life thing where everything is, yeah, we're going to laugh at that guy on Friday. 
You know, like, that's not the life that adults live. That's not how, like, successful people exist. But, again, a lot of times the people who are doing the best will get the most shit from the people who aren't able to. A lot of times people will shit on people rather than putting out effort. And the people who are putting out effort will actually take those words to heart. Imagine that shit. Can you imagine? Two people are standing there. One person has the ability and the motivation and the 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 dedication. And they say, you know what? I'm just going to get up and do this shit. And they get up and they, they start doing whatever they're doing, whether that be physically training, whether that be studying, whether that be uh, anything you could possibly think of, building towards their physical future, their financial future. And the other person has decided that seems like too much work. I'm going to opt out of doing that. But you noticed over time that that person opting out of doing it wasn't good enough for them because now they're starting to feel jealousy off of the building that's being done next to them. They don't want to put in the work to do the building, but it's bothering them that it's being done. And that's disappointment in themselves. That's not that's not an actual hatred for the way that the person is doing it. That's That's not... That's not something that should be held in any kind of accountable fashion because the person who is criticizing hasn't constructed anything. Anything. And that, that's, that goes for life. That's the thing is where people will try to say, well, if you think you could do wrestling, then you go do wrestling. No, no. That would be you telling me that I want to go do wrestling. How the fuck am I going to excel about what you want me to do? I'm going to excel at what I want to do. And now you can weigh my accomplishments based on what I do. You know what I mean? You don't fucking go find a mechanic somewhere and go like, you should go cook a better cake than that cook over there. Or I can't taste food and tell you if I like it. Is that what the fuck are you telling me right now? <laughs> like, this shit, is, this shit is delusional. It's weird shit. But you have to take it as that. You have to take the criticism as as uh consider the source consider where the criticism is coming from so and that um that is a separate all of the things that i was talking about there um just kind of went off a town a tangent um but i i think i summarized everything i had to say about tony and, and how i respect that dude as a man and how um i consider him a friend so uh yeah, man, I just I just want to give him a shout-out and just give a little recognition to what he's accomplished out there because you see so many of these guys that are, this one's living in an apartment, this one's fucking living on somebody else's couch, this one's living in a warehouse illegally, this one's fucking, you know what I mean? And these are some of the best deathmatch wrestlers out there, and they don't have shit. So when you look at what is the reason for all this, what is the purpose, how does this work for anybody, you could at least look in the direction of a Chainsaw Tony and say, well, it worked for him. But look at how he did it, and it's not how everybody else is doing it. So, you know, take notes, motherfuckers.
take notes or take a seat. You know? Um, yeah. I think that's about all I got. Um, real quick, I just go over this fucking uh, Jason Aldean thing for uh, just from my perspective. I just think that a guy who had 58 people shot and killed at his concert shouldn't be fucking shouldn't be rallying the troops. He shouldn't be talking about what shit would go down if he did some shit in his hood. That's just, that shouldn't be his fucking lane at all. You know what I mean? It just, it's a bad look overall. Um, I heard 10 seconds of the song, but that's about it. I've read the lyrics because I just wanted to see, like, you know, what it, and a lot of the shit in the song and the way that the lyrics are written aren't like, you know, there's those, what do they call those, dog whistles or whatever, sure. There's stuff you can go, oh, I know what that's going to mean to some people. But even if you just said, okay, the song is what it is, from what I understand, the video has depictions of lynching. Well, that's that's a very specific thing, and that's that's that wasn't about what we're talking about here, and it takes a hard left where now you're promoting this type of thing. And that wasn't, that wasn't a good time for a lot of people. So I think that that's garbage. You know, I don't give a fuck about country music. I'm not one of these outrage guys. I'm, I'm really not. Um, I'll just speak on shit. And I, if someone puts this shit out and, and what do you think about it? Oh well, yeah, I think that's, I think that's horrible. I think that's, that's something he shouldn't have been done doing and and you see how insanely popular it is because that's how that's the state we're in that's why we had this fucking nut job orange president because that just he gave press conferences as if he was just a drunk at the bar talking shit you know that that's who who he was and how he lived life i mean if if that worked it really it shows you the type of um, rallying that one can do behind the ignorance, you know. And um, sucks, man. But you know, it is what it is. That's it. You're gonna find that shit everywhere. I don't think any anything should be taken off or not put on a platform or anything like that. I think everything platform-wise should be allowed. But I think when companies decide not to deal with you because of that, I don't have a problem with that either because that's a company's decision not to do business with someone who's don't believe in the shit that they want. You know what I mean? Like you just, you can't run a business and stand on morals if you do business with people who go up against those morals. So when people open their own businesses and make their own decisions on how they want to run things and who they want to include and who they want to not include, if they have, uh, uh, you know, someone who they would ha- use as a sponsor, or they would use as a, you know, a spokesman. You, you wouldn't use that guy if his views completely stand against you, including everybody. You know, if something excludes a whole lot of people, but your company was trying to bring all audiences from all genres, from all here and there, well, then obviously that's going to limit the amount of uh, sponsorships that this guy gets. And and that, to me, is how I think this works. I don't think we should just cancel everything out of record stores or this or that. It's a slippery slope because the problem is, is instead of leaving it at that and allowing the people to kind of expose themselves, because I like that too. I like that 
Trump brought a lot of these motherfuckers out of hiding, and now I know who they are. Like, I've seen the statements. You know, I, I know who's closed-minded in a way that's dangerous to some of my friends. <laughs> you know, I know, I know those people now. So I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But it's hard because the uh, cancel culture and the things of that nature are pushing against the owners of the stores or the owners of the platform and the owners of all those. Well, we're not going to support your platform or we're not going to come to your store if you sell that here, which I think that's where we go too far. To me, that's the line. That's exactly the line right there. You have to allow them to put out whatever they put out so that way we have freedom of expression. But, hey, man, everyone's going to be judged based on the shit they choose in life. You know what I mean? Like, if you just walk outside in your fucking underwear and you just go walk to the fucking store, people are going to judge the shit out of what the fuck decisions you made before you left the house. That ain't about them being against you or some deep-rooted fucking thought. You made certain decisions that put you out there and divided your audience quite heavily. So, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that's that's what I think a guy like that does. And, um, you know, to each their own. So I think people will have a, have a version of canceling themselves if that ever was able to be a thing because it just, it'll weed itself out. But the makers of the platforms, the the owners of the stores, the pressure is going to come down, the venues that are allowing him to play in, all, all those things, those are the ones that are going to get come down on, and that's when it becomes, you know, wrong, I think, you know. I want to know, like, yo, this guy's singing this racist-ass song, and that stadium's packed. Yo, like, we need to continue to be aware of this type of shit. You know, and again, I don't know that the song in itself is just flat out racist, but I think he definitely, you know, between the little dog whistles and the uh, the video that I think painted a, enough of a picture that uh, you know, spoke for itself. So, but yeah, man, we're um, we're about out of here. Um, so, trying to do like a weekly thing with this trying to really get back to a week-to-week thing. If you guys have any topics that you want me to cover, anything you want to talk about, um, me to talk about, for, so to speak, um, let me know. I'm a couple weeks out of NFL season, so we're going to start doing Facebook Live, Instagram Live, whatever kind of lives. Um, sometimes it'll guess, sometimes it's not. Talking about just whatever's going on in the week. Football, upcoming games, games that just happened, and we're just going to go in. So uh, do that. Do all of this uh, content. Uh, please still feel free to support me in any way. Uh, and uh, I appreciate all of it, man. Um, I think that's about all I got. Yeah, anything else I got extra, I could just leave for next week. So um, let's do that. Let's pile on some of this stuff. And uh, talk to you motherfuckers next week. Peace. Talk to y'all later. Have a nice night. Stay dry. It's raining again. Tired as rain. 
makes my grass green. I won't complain about that. That's all I gotta say. I'm out of here. I love all of y'all and, uh, shit. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You've been in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I listen to your, to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you... Good. Like cheese tell me tells me all the time to listen to what you gotta say because you be blazing people and I'm like, well I gotta hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide it. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth. Even when I lie. The Jews are just radio. Jesus! A sacred night to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something, the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no fools. 